Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Previously on the Simply Human Podcast. So, Father, do you prefer it in the hand or the mouth? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> and I'm like... Like internally, like every cell in my body freezes up in horror. I'm like, oh my God, did that just happen? Did that question just get asked? It's episode 83 of the Simply Human podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rick, two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it is Glenn Cordoza, a mixed martial artist and author of, a co-author of uh, 19 books, including Kelly Starrett's Becoming a Supple Leopard. Then it's another moderately funny edition of the Humans Being Human segment with the Kidney Stone. How about that? And we'll wrap up with our Simply okay, Human okay. Tip of the Week. How are you, Rick? I'm great. Your silence there for a second threw me off. I was like, hey, well, Mark, tell us please. I just, na- I, just I just named the show, by the way. So it's going to be Glenn Cordoza interview and a kidney stone. And it's really good to, to okay. for that one. So um, right off the top here, I, I don't know. this. I don't know. This is on the line here. It might have been a, a humans being human story. But it's it's the topic of this is young boys finding... Uh, nudie magazines? Is that? Hmm. Is that? Uh, we I don't think we've ever talked about that on no. the show because I have a great story. Okay, about good, that. good. So I'll I'll say mine first and let you uh, beat it because uh, I'm sure it's better. So <laughs> I, I was talking. My dad's in town. Nice the, choice of it, words, oh, by the way. It is. <laughs> Talk about that nudie magazines, and you can beat it. <laughs> and it is Father's Day, too. Yeah. So, fathers, all fathers out there, give your sons nudie magazine. No, just kidding. So, I am not a proponent of that. I do not have nudie magazines. Just in my get possession. on with the story. Okay. So, 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 on this Father's Day edition of the Simply Human podcast, I was telling my dad is in town. I was telling, reminding him of this story last night, and it's just I thought, man, that's a kind of a funny story. So, I had this this friend. Uh, Megan was uh, was her name. I know she doesn't listen. And and all through elementary school, we were kind of like Big best name. buddies. She was very tomboyish. Uh, she played basketball. She would you know get in fights with the guys, and you know she was she was very athletic. And uh, her, her her dad played football in high school, and he at Plano, so he was you know throw a football over the mountains. Uh, senior. I was literally yeah. just about to say that. <laughs> and he had two daughters, and so it's like you know one of them had to be you know we'd go fishing uh, and, and stuff with his family and all that. So. But so I would go, you know, my parents were kind of like, okay, obviously there's no romantic interest there. And we're like an elementary school. It's like, she's like one of the guys. So her house was on the way back to my house. And so just about every day after school, like we would walk home and I would would just go to Megan's house for an hour or something. We just, you know, I was going to say jack around, but that's, I don't know. Just, you know, you're on point today. (laughs) I didn't, but I didn't say jack around. So you did. Yes, you did. Now you've said it twice. So. So, so oh man, now I'm kind of throwing her dad under the bus here. Uh, this that was the man that was so nice to me. So one one of these afternoons, and I'm I'm ten years old, never seen any anything like like what I found under the the 
the bed in the in the master bedroom was a stack of Playboys. And what a weird place to keep them, though. I know, like, don't I, you need, like, a vault for something like that? I know, I know. So, okay. Like, do you really want your wife to know? Like, I, hey, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I'm not saying anything about, you know, whatever they got going on. So, mm-hmm. um, so I, I took a handful of them with with, <laughs> with Megan's help, and, and I am, like, you know, 10-year-old boy, I am... Here, girl, help me load up all this I, porno. I, I am freaking... Grab, grab a handful of porno. We gotta get out of here. <laughs> I'm gonna get my wheelbarrow. Uh, so, ten-year-old boy pushing a wheelbarrow full of porno magazines down the street, and I'm like running, like sweating, uh, like okay. So I will say they were classy. They weren't the the nasty things. They were the the classy ones. So I've got these, and I am I'm freaking out. So it, I go into the. I don't know. I guess it was the best hiding place. And Megan is with. She's like with me. So we like take them into like her bathroom. Okay. (laughs) And I and I am. I mean, guy. Like I, my adrenaline is pumping. I am probably sweating. I'm hyperventilating. I'm I'm freaking out. Right. So it's just like now when you see a naked woman. (laughs) Nothing has changed. And so I'm sitting in the bathroom and I'm just feverishly like flipping pages, (laughs) like just. Just oh my god, this is you know just going crazy. And the and the part I never forget is she's kind of standing in the bathroom doorway, sort of like leaning up, arms crossed up against the door jam. I can I can see her now, and she's she's kind of looking at me like what? Okay, I th- I thought th- you know this would be cool, but like you're kind of you're kind of overreacting here a little bit. You're kind of pulling a Mark Rogers, yeah. Mark Rogers. And and I remember she goes. You're acting like you've never seen a naked woman before, and I looked up at her and I said, "I haven't." <laughs> <laughs> you're like you're darn right. So anyway, that's my that was my first exposure to wow. exposure. Um, <laughs> so what was your story? So uh, I need to make sure my brother listens to this because he'll he'll think this is funny too. He had a friend. I don't remember his friend's friend's name, but uh, uh, my brother is three years older than me. And I don't remember the exact year, and I might be like 11, possibly 10 or 11, something like that. Well, I do remember it was New Year's Day, and uh, somehow I conned my way into going to Rob, uh, going with my brother Rob to his friend's house and, and uh, you know, hanging out with him or something. And somehow that led us to exploring like the, uh, exploring like the, the, the storm drains, like the sewers, like the underground sewers. This is how Jeffrey Dahmer got started, by the way. Um, I don't think it is at all, but uh, we were going through there, and we find, uh, and it wasn't a magazine, but it was a porno movie, oh, uh, like a VHS, and it was all like it was all soaked, and it was just destroyed, like because it's in the water, and we're like, Ooh. how did you know? Was there a picture, or was it like you could just uh, yeah, tell? Well, yeah, you could still see the picture on the box. Okay. Uh, the name of the movie, if you'd like to put this in the show notes, was Viper's no. Place. Was what? Viper's place. <laughs> she kind of tells you what kind of porno we're talking about here. Was it a snake porno? <laughs> <laughs> well, we take it back to my my uh, this guy's house, and we uh, I don't remember if we had to dry it out or we just like uh, oh let's just, put it in. Just so we put it in, it in and yeah, you can totally tell that it was uh, you know still 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 worked still playing in the, and we were all just sitting there like oh, this is this is making me really uncomfortable. Uh, I don't think we're supposed to be watching this. So we took it outside. And smashed it with a hammer and pulled all of like the uh, the ribbon or whatever you'd call all the tape out of it and uh, yeah. burned it. Well, young young boys, uh, especially in the culture that you and I grew up in, oh, were, that were, was very filthy, dirty. Were, well, we're torn between 
this drive to see naked women at a young age and the drive to destroy the, the images. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So moms, dads, if you're listening, or dads, when you were a young boy, that is, we're just being real here, people. That is a, that is a thing. Young boys, that's all they want to do um, is look for stuff like that in any way they can get it. storm drains under yeah. uh, beds of people that they're visiting. No, this was not like an, a porno expedition. Like, hey, right, I right. think if we go down in the sewer, we'll find some porno. <laughs> like, uh, it just happened to find us. Right, right. But it's not like you said, oh, I'm not watching that porno. I found it in the in the drain. That, oh, that'll man, do. No. That'll do. Yeah. Although I think if now if I found a porno in a sewer, I'd be like, oh, okay. I'm gonna go find a find a VHS player. <laughs> go to pawn Oh my gosh! All right, well that takes care of that, and uh, let's start getting to our uh, our interview with Glenn Cordoza. Before we do, at the end of the hey, interview, by the way, Glenn, if you're listening to this, uh, sorry for ruining your episode by talk, <laughs> by five minutes of porno talk, sewer porno talk beforehand. Oh my gosh! And, uh, for the record, the Simply Human Lifestyle and the Simply Human Podcast is vehemently opposed to That's a pornography. Not how you say that word at all. Uh, vehemently. No, it's vehemently, not vehemently. Vehemently, vehemently opposed. No, uh, whether no. or not. Wh- Stop saying it like that. Okay, vehemently opposed. Whether or not uh, you have any morals, there's a really great TED talk out there. Is he sort of takes the moral a- aspect out of it, and from like a neurological perspective, it can like ruin you. So, uh, well, yeah. consider me ruined. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am opposed. I'm okay. gonna ruin myself for the, for the <laughs> stop. <laughs> for, for the record, I'm opposed. Okay, so but we talk Glenn and Glenn and I and you talk about this four point bracing sequence, and you'll understand once you get to the end of that interview. And if if anyone is wondering. It's kind of confused by that, and they don't want to, you know, they don't have the the copy. You should buy I, it. I'll be honest with you. Like uh, I was trying to do it when he was talking about it, and I think I understand some of what he was yeah. talking about, but so some if, of it just doesn't translate into, you know, verbal radio, yeah. instructions. You have to have like a, yeah. a video thing. So, so if you want to set up like a Skype consult and do a video, it, it, because I am a, a just a, a major student of this practice, and I I help, you know. I coach this a lot, so I'm I'm very versed in you know basically regurgitating exactly what Kelly Starrett does and means and says and all that. So email me at simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com if you want that consult. Find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. Uh, we talk about the primalprofessional.com. Those are dress shoes for the primal professional with a zero drop. It's like for the of, unfrozen caveman. Yeah, it's a, it's a but it looks like the dress shoes look like they have a heel. Uh, only thing of its kind that we know of. Uh, we have some t-shirts also uh, on the simplyhumanlifestyle.com uh, slash shop. If you want to buy a t-shirt, uh, we're sending t-shirts to a couple of people that have uh, recently given us humans being human stories. Uh, I'll still have uh, links to the nutrients, uh, multivitamin, and the skinny fat on our website, uh, simplyhumanlifestyle.com. Uh, Facebook page, YouTube channel. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at simplyhuman53. You can email rick at simplyhumanrick at gmail.com. So, Without further ado, let us get to our interview with Glenn Cordoza. We talked to Glenn about jits, writing, and You're an idiot. writing and MMA, becoming a supple leopard, of course, mobility, the pooping position, an upcoming book, stand-up kids, the dangers of sitting, the four-step bracing sequence, whiskey, and traveling. Joining us today on the Simply Human Podcast, super thrilled to have Glenn Cordoza. He's one of the most published authors in the world on the topics of MMA. 
Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, or as like the cool people call it, Jits, Muay Thai kickboxing, and exercise and fitness with 19 books to his credit. It might be more than that. I don't know if this is as super updated as it should be. These works include co-authorship with Randy Couture, BJ Penn, and Anderson Silva. He also co-authored Power, Speed, and Endurance by Brian McKenzie, as well as the national best-selling book and one of my favorite books of all time, Becoming a Supple Lever by Kelly Starrett. He's someone you would not ever want to mess with at any time or any place for any reason. Glenn, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. That was quite the intro. Thank you. You're like the nicest guy, but like you could kill anyone with like one touch of your finger. It's like I'm gonna start this off with a I'm gonna start this off with the first question. I'm 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 gonna ask you, Glenn, do the cool kids really call Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? Do they really call it Jits? It's true. Okay, I thought Mark was making something up, and I was about to start making fun of him. So, okay, never mind. All right. I, no, okay. Fine. Jits. Awesome. There you go. All right. Well, Glenn, if you'll just like just start off with your background and sort of how you got to, you know, before all the, the book stuff, just sort of your fitness background and your MMA stuff is really cool. So just start from, uh, you know, I've made this joke many times on the show. Start from the day that you were born and bring us up to today. Uh-oh. Did we lose him? Or did, was that just like a super horrible joke? I think we lost him. <laughs> he got so pissed he hung up on you. He's like, yeah, I'm not starting from the day of my birth. I'm hanging up. Dude, I'm so sorry, guys. We've been gone for three weeks and like uh, apparently just like our house is in shambles. I'm going to I'm gonna ask that we are silent for like four seconds so I can tell when to edit. This is a, a nerd editing trick. So silence now. I was, gonna, I was waiting for Rick to make a party noise. No, that, that, that was enough silence. Okay, so Glenn, <laughs> can you... I was waiting for you to make a farting noise. Uh, Glenn, give us your background, sort of how you got into all the mixed martial arts stuff, and then how, you know, you don't normally see, like, a mixed martial artist and, like, author next to that. So that's kind of an interesting uh, duo. Yeah, well, um, I started out just um, training, you know, training MMA, and tra- well, I wanted to compete. Uh, and be an MMA fighter. I competed in, in, in Muay Thai as well. Um, never really had my sights on writing, but um, just uh, just a chance a chance meeting with Eric Krauss changed all that. He's the president of Victory Bell Publishing, and also a very successful writer in his own right. And we got an opportunity to write some martial art related books. And, you know, he, he needed someone to kind of do the back-end labor, if you will, like organizing the content, trying to just, like, put these books together into a system so that he can then go through and, we you know, uh, collaborate and write the book together on, on athletes such as Anderson Silva, BJ Penn, and just, you know, these UFC luminaries. And that eventually, you know, evolved into me writing my own books and and here we are now. You know, I've, I've had the amazing opportunity to work with Kelly Starrett, and and yeah, I mean that, that's 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 the short story. I, I, like I said, I just never really thought of myself as a writer. Just was kind of doing it as a way to fund my martial arts career. Right. And, well, do you have a do you, you have know, a journalism it, degree or like do you have any sort of background in writing or are you just like that good where you're just like because most people like today if unless you have like a journalism degree they don't know the difference between your and your and your kind of thing you know so yeah and I still don't I'm terrible <laughs> <laughs> but and and no 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 formal background no formal education in writing um, 
But as most people are aware, writing is more about how well you can organize your ideas. Right. And that, and I felt like I had a pretty good skill set going into that, especially when it came to martial arts because that was my passion. It's something that I I was really focused on and. So, and my job early on was really to lay out the book, and, and you know these these are instructional books, so they're a lot of a ton of photos, a ton of sequences, technique sequences. So it's my it's my job to put it together into a system, and that just through that process, I learned a ton about writing, and also just seeing what Erich would do and what the editors would do to my work, because you know after I submitted something, or if whether it's just a transcript from a fighter that we interviewed or some concept that content that I developed, just him mentoring me and seeing what he did to, to, to my work really, you know, accelerated the process. So I guess you could say, you know, I went to the university of victory Hill publishing to learn how to write. And, um, yeah, I'm super grateful. You know, Eris was a, was a tremendous help and, and, and still, you know, I still don't, when people ask me, I'm like shy, you know, to say that I'm a writer just because, yeah. It's not something that I ever, you know, visualized myself doing or never really considered it as a career well, take, uh, take until, us, you know, very recently. To take us through, like, your movement background, how you got into all this stuff, and then brag about yourself a little bit. Like, what are all, what are some of your uh, your accolades? So, uh, I've, I've competed in mixed martial arts. I have a 3-1 professional record and a 12-0 record in professional Muay Thai. I, that's, all, that's almost as good as um, mine, uh, just FYI. Yeah. I, I, I was also in the <laughs> Yeah, I've spent a, a cumulative of about three years in Thailand. So I, I moved there when I was 21, 22, um, competed for that year, and then went back every subsequent year to train and compete uh, all the way up until just a couple years ago. Um, and the whole time was basically writing books from, from 23 up and up until now was working, working with Erich and, and, and writing instructional books on martial arts. And during that time, uh, during that, that period, I, I met a guy who I'm sure you guys know who he is, Rob Wolf out of Chico, California. He's my strength and conditioning coach. And he's also heavily involved in martial arts, trains, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai. He's, he's the one so I learned would, jits from. That's actually yeah, jits. So he's the cool guy yeah. that gave you the cool guy <laughs> lingo. That's awesome. Right. Um, yeah, so it, it was just it was just um, a chance meeting. You know, we met in a jiu-jitsu gym. Like I think it was like twelve years ago. Before you know, paleo was paleo and CrossFit. You know, was a household name. So it 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 was it was it was just really neat and I'm fortunate in that regard. And and worked with him extensively with nutrition and strength and conditioning and, and that's where really my movement base comes from is from the NorCal, you know, strength and conditioning family and, and working with Rob. And that obviously led to, I mean, Rob is the guy that put me in touch with Kelly um, initially because it's like Katie actually put her, uh, my wife put Kelly Starrett on my radar, like, Hey, you know, you should consider writing a book with this guy. He He's amazing. And for all the reasons we already know, and, and, I reached out to Rob. I was like, "Hey, can you put me in touch with him? I know you're you're kind of connected in this like the CrossFit community back when he was back when he was doing the uh, Paleo seminars for CrossFit." And yeah, the rest is history. I reached out to Kelly, and he was 
he was all for it. I think so, uh, I think Katie's was, motive in all that. I think she knew she could foresee that if you teamed up with <laughs> Kelly, that in the second edition, that she there would be a lot of pictures of her in the book. Is that? Do you think that's true? I think <laughs> yes. You know, knowing Katie, you know Katie well. Yeah. Yes, that's that's definitely it. Yeah, Katie definitely made an all star appearance appearance in the. Uh, updated edition that's awesome well let's talk about the book um the second edition uh plug it a little bit i know um that we've really tried to drive some traffic that way and i've i've got a copy of you uh, both copies are you know they're each beautiful masterpieces in and of themselves but what's different about the the book and sort of what is the overall message of the book for those that don't know well i'll start i'll start with the message and you know i think and 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 I and I, I love your website by the way. When you look nice. at you know these kind of categories for like optimal living lifestyle, and you look at you see like sleep, exercise, and movement, and nutrition. And I think and you know obviously like the stress and enjoy life components obviously very important. But there's there's a missing component that I don't think a lot of people consider, and it's just now kind of picking up, um, uh, becoming popular amongst you know uh, health enthusiasts, and that's mechanics, mechanics and mobility. And by mechanics, I mean like technique, applying technique to just everyday movement. And what supple, becoming a supple leopard is and what, you know, the basis of Kelly's system is providing a blueprint for understanding those mechanics in all situations. So in other words, providing a blueprint that will teach you how to move well in all situations. And I think this mechanics piece is, and mobility piece is, is something that impacts our quality of life I mean, arguably to the same degree that any of the aforementioned uh, categories that I mentioned, like sleep, nutrition, um, you know, exercise. Because if one of those things is out of whack, your quality of life is going to be compromised. And the same is true if you don't move well, like if you lift with poor, poor technique, and you're just moving throughout the day and you don't you have any understanding on how to brace your spine in your position or organize your joints in the best position possible, you're going to put extensive wear and tear on those on those joints and on that uh, on your body and that can definitely like cause pain be compromised uh, performance so there's a there's like by just understanding that that idea and that's really the basis of coming supple leopard is that there is a blueprint for moving well and kelly uses the language of strength and conditioning like functional movement squatting deadlifting push-ups and so on to kind of provide a template so that you can identify movement errors and correct them within the context of these, you know, strength and conditioning functional movements, which, as you know, apply to all situations. Because squatting isn't just a movement that we obviously perform in the gym. Right. It's, you know, how you lower your center of gravity. It's how you get in and out of a chair. How, do, how you poop, so how you get in and out of a pooping position. Let's, you know, let's... <laughs> Just be honest. Smarts are super <laughs> important too. You, well, you gotta have good mechanics when you're going getting in and out of the pooping position. You know what I mean? <laughs> For Mark, sometimes the pooping position is just standing up because he'll just go in his pants. So it's a very broad term for him. Or just laying, laying in bed. Um, you know, yeah, it's crazy to me that people think that they can just that they could work out for an hour a day, or they, you know, you're going to go in and you're going to do these high risk sort of movements and, and what you've done for 23 hours of the rest of the day is either lay you're asleep so all your muscles are turned off or you're sort of passively sitting in this flexed rounded position and then and then that's that's going to somehow be okay that hour or two hours of 
of quote unquote workout is going to be, you know, like somehow going to fix the rest of that. And and I think like becoming a supple leopard and foam rollers and all that stuff, the, the battle star, which I'm a huge fan of, I have a, a battle star, um, which uh, I'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, none of that would be necessary. And, and none of that is necessary in, in cultures that, you know, move like they're supposed to move throughout their lives and they don't get glued up in chairs and all that. But it's like we have to, if we're going to live in this type of environment, it's like you have to be active about getting your, your joints into their full ranges of motion and all that, or you're, you're just going to end up being, you know, sort of this crooked old man. And it's a double entendre there. Yeah. And, and, you, and you nailed it, right? And in, in, in saying that, um, you know, like, what we're doing and for the rest of the day outside of training is important and it's creating an an adaptation. So it's just like you bring, you bring up sitting, for example, which is the focus of our next book, uh, Deathbound, but that's, that's a cultural adaptation and, and, and it's compromised our mechanics across the board for everything that we do. And so it's like, these things have to be relearned. Like you look at a kid walk, run, squat, perfect, and you'll notice really amazing mechanics. Yeah. Up until and, and you know this is something that Kelly always says. He's like, you know, my daughter ran perf- perfect up until you know the first day, uh, first grade. Um, at which point, you know, the 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 ad- adaptation of wearing cushioned shoes, so heel striking started started becoming a. Be- become noticeable um and just the that the consequences of sitting for in, in class and you know all day started to creep in and, and started and you know he started to notice that her mechanics were starting to change as a result of the environment you know so it's just like sitting is definitely an environmental toxin in in my opinion and and you know, Subble leopard and and in deathbound this is what we're trying to correct is try to give people like hey there's a right way to organize your body, you know, and it, and it starts with organizing your spine and understanding how to stabilize your joints in the best position possible. And then from there, you can apply these principles to anything. So in Supple Leopard, we use strength and conditioning movements, but those are just, you know, those are transferable exercises. So you should and can apply this stuff to anything and everything that, that is movement-based. Right, you could, so, you, could tra- uh, you, you could transition the pictures of the deadlift with a with a picture of someone like picking up a child off the ground. I mean, there's like it's, exactly, yeah, exactly. So cool. All right, well, yeah. Um, so talk, tell us about Deskbound. What is that going to come out? Like, what's the? I hadn't heard about this. I'm very intrigued. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. So so Deskbound is essentially taking all the principles of Supple Leopard, distilling it, distilling them down to its most simplest form, and applying it to kind of the weekend warrior, best jockey, you know, and, and with everybody really, because I mean, all of us are, uh, are in prison to a chair at some point, whether we travel, drive, or we're just stuck in a chair at work. You know, you have a shitty boss that won't let you convert to a standing workstation or something. But, um, but yeah, so like the, the becoming a supple leopard was really directed. We, we, we did our best, especially with the second, second edition, to make it, you know, digestible and approachable to the lay reader. But we understand that that's really a book that's because of the movements that are featured in the book and just it's a 480-page textbook. It's more geared towards the coach and the athlete. So we want to do something just for, you know, the, the, the I want to say the average person, but just 
the person that the human, yeah, that, that <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know, sitting's sitting's a, a big problem that, and we're and we're seeing we're seeing study after study come out, and you know, sitting is you know shortening our our lifespan and and causing a host of physiological diseases or chronic diseases. Is there, a, is there heart disease. anything in the book about so, uh, the stand-up kids? Uh, I know that Kelly's been working. Uh, when he was on the show, uh, he told us a little bit about that. Do y'all uh, are y'all teaming up with them in, in any way in this in this book? And in, in, well, yeah, so so stand-up kids is definitely and is is a big component of the book in that it's well the basis of stand-up kids is to try to get every classroom in America to convert to standing workstation. So our goal in sub, uh, in Deskbound, rather, is to uncover the truth about sitting. So just basically explain and describe the ramifications of sitting and what it does to our health. So getting that information out there. But, I mean, most people know that sitting is bad, right. but not everyone has a solution to the problem. And and because and, and the solutions are are like you know take the stairs instead of the the elevator convert to a standing workstation, all of which great advice and and things that we've advocated in the book. But the focus again well comes back to mechanics because we have this this negative adaptation from sitting and and the effects bleed over into our training into you know into our normal life you know that. Most people that I know that are in their 30s suffer from like low back pain or have some problem with their body, and most of which don't have any idea on how to fix it. And we believe that it's can it boils down to uh, I mean obviously other lifestyle factors contribute, but sitting is a huge issue, and not only sitting but moving poorly and sitting poorly is 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 accelerating the problem. So it's yeah. like. Sitting is bad in and of itself, but then sitting with poor posture it makes it even worse. And then, then your body adapts to that position, that that horrible C-shaped posture, or you know, being overextended into like that kind of arched position. It just wreaks 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 havoc on your body. And then you try to carry over, and then you try to go and be this amazing athlete in that one-hour window that you're talking about when you're training. And it's like, that's when you focus, and this is the problem, that's when you focus on the technique, and you're like, okay, I go into the gym, and you try to do everything perfectly, but then you leave the gym, and you leave that mindset behind. Right. And it's like, what we're trying to do, and, and what we're trying to advocate is, it's like, no, you need to be on all the time. You need to be conscious of your position all the time. In addition to doing the 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes of daily maintenance, using the foam roller and the crossballs and what have you for the mobility work. But yeah, I mean that's essentially the basis. Death sounds. We're trying to, and we're to, you know, with the stand-up kids. It's like they realized this was a huge issue. You know, Kelly is like a movement geek, as you know, and he's just like couldn't stand the fact that you know, like his daughters were going to have to be like he was going to have to undo all this like sh- poor mechanics are being developed. While they're at school, like we're, we're, when they're at a place for learning, you know? So and it's our, like and our brains it's really learn. awesome of them to take that initiative and, and, and start stand-up kids. Yeah, and our, and our brains learn better when they're in, in motion. That's how they're designed. And to say that, okay, oh. we're going we're to put you in a learning environment, but instead of, of putting you in a movement environment where your brain is going to be at high function, we're going to make you sit and then give you medicine when you can't 
sit still. So that's a whole nother thing. But Rick, did you have a question? Well, and so, something you said, Glenn, that, that we, we talk a lot about on the show about, you know, standing up and, and walking and, and, you know, things that are more like human, but something you said kind of blew my mind that if you're standing up instead of sitting down is all well and good, but if you're not standing up right, like correctly, then it's not going to be that beneficial. That's not, so it's a, it's more about, I guess what you're saying is making sure that you can do the metaphor that I always try to use is you have to crawl before you can walk and walk before you can run. Well, to apply, I guess to this before you just go, all right, and throw all your chairs out in the street and you, uh, you, you set your couch on fire. You have to make sure that you can stand correctly. And I'm assuming kind of step one, I guess, cause I kind of represent for our show. I kind of represent the everyman, and Mark is like super triathlon man. But like, well, hey, hey, that's an insult. I don't do triathlons anymore. That's a joke. But for, for every man, I guess, <laughs> so what I try to get from these interviews with people like you, as these experts, is, okay, where do I start? What's step one? And i assuming step one is read the book, but then what's after that? Well, yeah, so so you're, you're absolutely right, by the way, and what you just said in that, like, standing is only part of the solution. Like, standing gets you, it, it gives you movement options. And it, and it puts you in an environment where you can easily shift position to position. And you're just like, you're more likely to move when you're standing. But it's like you said, if you're standing incorrectly, let's say with your feet turned out, your ankles collapsed, um, your back overextended, you're causing a ton of problems. And mind you, you're spending 20% more energy standing. So, you know, it's already more taxing on the body. And then you put it in a disadvantage, in a, in a poor position. And it's just going to cause, like, it's just going to po- cause problems galore. So first step, and, and, and I think, like, this is definitely, you know, in self-leopard and, and, and is a, it is a big point in Deathbound, and that's just thinking about your spine first. And Kelly always uses this language, spine first. And, and, and that, you can't really have good function unless your spine is in a good position. So I think, like, and, and most people are aware, like, oh, I need to focus on my posture. But what does that mean? You know, what does it mean to have good posture? A lot of people don't know, you know, and we've relied on like systems of yoga and, and these different kind of disciplines to learn how to manage and be in a good um, a spinal shape. So I think what Kelly's done and, and what he's done a really great job doing is bringing attention to this, to, an, to this, you know, spinal mechanics as being important as well as giving a step-by-step blueprint to getting into a neutral position, which is like, let's just call that like the ideal posture for the ideal position for your spine. And he calls it the bracing sequence. And it's just a simple sequence. It's a four-step sequence that you can use to reset the position of your spine and your body. And it's done stand- while standing up. So something you can do throughout the day, and it's really simple. He, he, I'll just go through it really quick so you know, listeners know, know what I'm talking about. You'll have you stand your feet straight. You'll squeeze your butt. Think about creating some external rotation from your hips. And that's really confusing for people sometimes. So just if you think about screwing your feet into the ground or driving your knees out, it's like that helps stabilize the pelvis in a neutral position. It also puts your there, foot in an arc. Can... Yeah, it also puts your foot in an arc uh, instead of like exactly. a, a collapsed ankle. Yeah. Yeah, so it puts the ankle in a stable position, which is key. And then, and what, what squeezing the butt does is it orientates. When you squeeze your butt, you'll feel your pelvis orientate under your ribcage. And that, and then, so the easy way to think about it is butt sets the position, abs lock in the position. So once, once you squeeze your butt, screw your feet into the ground, 
you want to align your ribcage over your pelvis, try to get, just try to get that, that, you know, a lot of people are arched back. So draw, drawing the ribcage down is usually the next step. And then breathe in through your, through your diaphragm and through your belly, exhale, and then get your belly tight as you exhale. The next, so, so that's, that's the very first part of the sequence, and that's something you go through, you know, right away. The second part of the sequence is to externally rotate your shoulders. So if you think about, like, the anatomical man, have you ever seen, like, Leonardo uh, Vinci's, yeah. like, famous painting? So if you, like, bring your arm, and this is just a good shoulder reset. Um, this is a really long way of explaining the break sequence, so I apologize. But this no, is no. a really good way just to reset your shoulders is to... Put your arms out of your sides, raise them up to about chest or shoulder level, flip your palms up like so you're in that kind of like anatomical man position, and that will reset your shoulders. So again, if you're by your sides, your hands are by your sides, if you lift them up and try to get your palm and the pit of your elbow towards the ceiling, you'll feel about putting your shoulders into a fully externally rotated position, and like that's the stable position for your shoulder. For your shoulders, your arms can do whatever you want. Like so, that's your setup for when you're typing or whatever. But um, the point is, is set your shoulder in neutral position. With your shoulders set, you can then adjust your head position and get your head back in. But what I find is when you do this with your shoulders, your head will kind of just pop right into place because it's like, and, and, and everyone's felt this. If you slouch, like if you just let your shoulders roll forward, your head will immediately drop. Because your shoulders are the chassis that support your head. So if your shoulders are in a bad position, your head's probably in a bad position. But if your shoulders are in a good position, your head is probably going to be in a much better position. Yeah, so, so those those are the kind of two steps. And like I'll do, I'll usually do both. Like set my pelvis position, set the set set my pelvis in neutral by squeezing my butt and screwing my feet into the ground, and then I'll set my shoulders. And then sometimes, like, when I'm just leaning at my desk, so, so I have a stand-up desk and I have a stool that I lean against, and I prop my foot up on a, you know, on a little, like, bar or a little, like, little box to, to you know, um, and then if I find myself, that, my, my, pel- my pelvis position won't change. So if I just need to just, like, if I slouch, for example, in that position, I'll just use the shoulder reset to quickly, you know, reset um, reset my uh, posture into a good position, and then I'm good to go. Um, but if I'm standing and I notice I'm overextended, I'll I'll go through the entire sequence. Yeah, and that's uh, I, I'm make a point here, and then I got to get to get to the question. Uh, there's actually two questions I'm going to ambush you with. But it's like you know we talk about how to stand correctly, and that's one way to say it. But I think what you said earlier about getting the spine in the right position now that's not standing correctly. That that translates to standing. But your spine is in that same position when you're sitting, when you're, uh, you know, doing a deadlift or doing a squat or doing a pull-up or a push-up or a plank. I mean, it's it's the, that's the universal position. Unless unless you're doing some sort of global, you know, you're a volleyball player jumping up about to spike the ball, or and you've got to globally overextend, which is sort of a rarity. So anyway, and yeah, the fourth step, I teach that to some uh, the college athletes that I work with, and like when they come to me for the mobility sessions, like we start there. Like we do the four step racing yeah. sequence and that's, and it's like, okay guys, this is, we got to go back to the basics because none of these guys know how to move right. So anyway, if, uh, yeah, if Kelly, you're talking about athletes, right. you're talking about athletes, like people that, athletes, you know, have been yeah. training for a very long time. So you can imagine someone that doesn't have that like formal training education. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we've moved a long way from, 
from this like spinal mechanics piece. And I think Kelly's really the first one to really kind of lay it out and be like, okay, we know we know we need to prioritize spinal mechanics for all the reasons that we already know, but like here's how to do it. Like, and here's a blueprint that applies to every situation, and that will give you the same results every single time, whether you're sitting in front of a computer or getting ready to break the deadlift world record. Yeah. Right, right. Which that eighty like eighty five year old guy? Well, that's been a couple of years. So he's like eighty. Uh, in like the hundred or like sixty-five kilo or seventy kilo class, uh, deadlifted like four forty at eighty years old. I don't know. That's that's a video that's going around YouTube. But nice uh, metric system, Mark. I know. I, I, I go switched. Get my freaking calculator. I switched back and forth there. <laughs> uh, all right. So the final two questions. Uh, okay. The first one is Glenn: whiskey or beer? Whiskey all the way. Yes. Been right. on the rock or uh, Crown. You know all. all all good decisions. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Very good. And then, and then the, that last, the real one, is uh, if, you know, what is something that you enjoy about life or one thing you do to make life more enjoyable? Um, first, first thing that came to mind is traveling. Um, I try, you know, for, as a writer, to remain productive and inspired and just, um, you know, motivated to keep working because it's like, not like I show up somewhere every day I have to you know find that motivation um traveling and being outside is is is, is the number one thing for me awesome. like I have a little travel trailer my wife and I we go out um out, out into the back country and, and that's where I'll do the majority of my work and um you know I spent extensive time in Thailand and, and and Southeast Asia and I've learned a tremendous amount you know more than going to school or any book that I've written um you know, I would say most of my life experiences have come through traveling. So I don't know. If that's, no, that's, that's awesome. Probably not. No, that's exactly the the right kind of. I mean, I, you know, we ask people that question. Very rarely do they say, you know, like getting in arguments or like science. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's always like my family or traveling or taking a walk. I mean, it's like the important stuff is is that is the answer to that last question. So. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, Glenn, yeah. we, we are out of time. I really appreciate you being on. This uh, I'll email you and everything when this goes up and uh, link to all your stuff in the show notes and get you on Twitter and all that good stuff. But really appreciate it, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Yeah, let's do it again. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. All right, thank you, Glenn. You can find uh, all of his stuff. Uh, you know what? Just go to Amazon and buy Becoming a Supple Leopard for one and all the other books uh, that he's written. And, hey, is that uh, one of those things that you can go through our website and go through our Amazon like, um, fan or something? Yeah. Um, I, but when this airs, I will have put up a Becoming a Supple Leopard uh, link uh, somewhere on the, on the easily to find on the front page. So, and also okay. glencordoza.com. Uh, yeah, Becoming a Supple Leopard. Or- the first time we have someone on that they, hey, visit them at their name.com. Yeah, okay. <laughs> glenn.com. Famous yeah. enough to have his own website. <laughs> He's also, also the, the name again of that Brian McKenzie book that he co wrote was Power Speed. And endurance. Uh, we're going to have Katie, his wife, on, who is pictured in the second edition of Becoming a Supple Leopard. Quite often, she is a movement expert and uh, has perfect ranges of motion. She's all over the place. And uh, so, anyway, she's going to be on the show as well. And I think that's it for the great Glenn Cordoza. It is now time for the Humans Being Human segment. Um, 
we got a, we got an email from someone who was sort of binge listening um, initially, and then we kind of got feedback as she's you know sort of getting the tone of the show. I think if, I want to say her first email was something like, "I'm not sure this is appropriate," but and then we we're like, "No, no, no, yeah, this is perfect." <laughs> so it's all about inappropriate. So we had her on, and she told the story that you're about to hear, and it was great. And then like we stopped recording, and she was like, "I have many more." So we, we recorded another one that's going to be on, I believe, episode 86. So in a few weeks. Um, and then I think she even has more that we're going to have her on. Cause she's, she's really good on air and, uh, is a good storyteller. So, and has lots of funny stuff happen to her. Yeah. Uh, so this is pretty, this is pretty crazy. As you can tell, I don't know what I've titled the show at this point. Time travel talk, probably not the fingers in the butt compliment story. <laughs> Mark has been trying for five minutes to figure out Skype and he's a Shut super up. huge moron Shut and like, could not figure it out. It was really funny. <laughs> I am the Skype master. Thank you very much. Don't you do this all the time? Yes. Yeah. That's the funny part about this. This is how we do all of the podcasts, and we still don't have a firm grasp on it. And, like, he was – like, we're talking first. He's like, all right, I'm going to call Stephanie. And then he'd, like – you know, you'd hear some buttons clacking. Okay, and then okay. He'd be like, wait, wait. Is it – in the background, was that her? And I'm like, no, Mark, that was a cricket. Like, that's not a human being. Shut up. It's like, a, it's like an astronaut, like, hmm, how does a space shuttle work? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like that. <laughs> okay, so it is pronounced Stephanie, just like it's. Uh, yeah. There's not some crazy Stepana Hai or anything. No, weird. no, no, no. Okay. It's well, I, I, I'm from Quebec, so it's Stephanie, but you can say Steph- Stephanie. Stephanie, just like a, a so, crazy like Texan. We say Stephanie around here. That's, that's fine. Well, good, Go ahead. Good day, mate. Yeah. <laughs> She's from. Good day, yeah. mate. She's not from America. No, here it's uh, it's a boot and. A. Oh, I'm a. very familiar. I have quite a few Canadian friends. You can add that to the Oh, Rick, Rick likes hockey. Montage. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Stephanie, oh, Rick and I pr- yes. purposely did not review your... We get a lot of humans being human emails, and so yours yep. has sort of gotten lost in our in our memory bank. So I, like, okay. if, if there was a gun to my head, I couldn't... Oh, wait, there is a gun in my head. Someone's intruding in my house. Uh, <laughs> I was just about to say that. If there was a gun... God, let there be a gun to Mark's head. If there was a gun in my head, I could not tell you what your story is about. So this is going to be very organic, Rick and Mark hearing this for the first time for the second time, if that makes sense. Excellent. Well, there's three stories. Oh, sweet. Uh, And uh, two are in Japan and one uh, one is back in Canada. So should I just start? Just go. We're going. Okay. So uh, in 2006, I moved to Japan and I was living alone. I was teaching English in this very small... uh, what they call it, Eikawa, it's basically a conversation school. And I had a very intense night of drinking with friends, and woke <laughs> up the next day, and I was peeing blood. Oh, gosh. Man, yeah, this is so the was, most hilarious story ever. <laughs> that was, yeah, it's awesome. It was great. Turns out, and then I died, yeah, and came back to life. Turns out that uh, wasn't so, sake. Yeah, yeah. It was something it else. Was, yeah, so for, for one week, I'm feeling very bad. My back hurts. I need to pee all the time, and I don't, I don't know what's going on. And then in the middle of the night, on the I think it was a Friday night, I wake up with terrible pain. And at the time, I thought, oh, this is just gas, you know, because I was still eating gluten and dairies, and it was very gassy. So I was like, well, this is just another of the those gas, of gas episodes. So I decided to take a bath. Nothing happened. So I called an ambulance. <laughs> and I waited a long time because in Canada, if you call the ambulance, you have to pay. Oh but I didn't gosh. know it. In Japan, it's free. 
Wait, they, oh, well. wait, they just like stand there with like a little credit card machine, like before, like you're like bleeding. Yeah, out basically, yeah. And if you can't pay, they don't take you. Uh, oh my god, can you please run me past an ATM real quick? I don't have any cash. <laughs> I only have like three dollars. My legs off. Die. <laughs> Yeah, so in Canada we have free healthcare, but uh, ambulance, unless uh, the police or firemen call for it, you, you have to pay. Canada's but crazy. in Japan it's free. So I'm basically clutched, uh, clutching my back. I can't really stand up. I'm in so much pain, and it feels like somebody's stabbing me in the back repeatedly with a knife. Uh, and so the, I hear the ambulance coming, but I live in this very small alley. And so they call me on my cell phone. And they're like, "Your road, the road to your house is too small. Can you please come out?" So I put on my, <laughs> I put on my coat. I, I take my shoe. I put on my shoes. I walk down the stairs. I walk to the ambulance <laughs> in pain for like maybe two, three minutes. I have to walk there. The guys then are just they, in they the kinda, like, they the me eating a sandwich. Yeah, I'm eating sandwich, taking a break, taking selfies as I go, uh, and then <laughs> and then the guys see me, and they're, they're not expecting a white person, obviously. So first of all, they're shock. Uh, but then I'm like, no, it's me. <laughs> I'm the one who called the ambulance. So they, they, I get on the ambulance, and the hospital is literally five corners away. So we're, there's like not even a time to have a siren go twice. It's like, woo, and we're there. Uh, and the whole time they're asking me questions, and I'm in pain. I'm almost crying. So we get to the emergency room, but there's two people there. And when they see me, they see the white girl, you can see on their faces that they're like panic stricken. They're like, oh my God, what is going on? What are we going to do? And they don't know. I speak Japanese, but they don't know that by now. So, so I they're like talking. talking like, they're, they're like talking trash about you behind your back, and you're like, uh-huh. Basically, I know yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh my God, look at the ugly foreigner. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, yeah, so finally I get there, they start talking to me, and they try to speak English, but then I speak Japanese, and they establish that I'm in pain, and I'm, by this point I'm crying, I just can't, it's so painful, I've never had this kind of pain, I, f- I feel like I'm going to die. And so what they do is that they do, um, uh, they check to see uh, if they can see anything, because, because of the, where the pain is, my, my kidney, they, they have a fair idea that it could be a kidney stone. Uh, so remember that I'm alone. I'm like 26. I live alone in Japan, and I'm, I have my first kidney stone ever. Ple- this is pleasant times. Uh, so they get, me on the, on the t- <laughs> they get me on the table, and they start inspecting it. And they're like, ah, oh, we think it's a, it's a kidney stone. It's probably very small. We can't really see it. And there's nobody until 9 o'clock tomorrow morning who can see you. And at that time, it's like 2.50 in the morning. So I'm going to have to stay overnight. And so the lady says we can give you some uh, an enema with a uh, painkiller hey. <laughs> so, yeah please like, i'll take two yeah I, i'm i'm not really keen on having stuff up my butt but i'll take it <laughs> I, i'm very happy at this point <laughs> you're like you're so desperate you're just like do anything you have to do make it stop I'm like, if you have to put sushi in there or like call a samurai do whatever you need to do and so she, I, and she's doing small talk because I'm crying. I'm in, in a lot of pain. She wants to calm me down. So as she's putting in the, the, the painkiller in my butt, she goes, oh, your Japanese is very good. And so I get that compliment while I, her finger is just up my butt. Oh and my she's God. complimenting me on my Japanese. And 
she's like, I really, she's like, I really like your shoes. Your yeah, shoes basically, are so cool. nice purse. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, and if I was in Canada, I would be like, this is not exactly appropriate time to give me a compliment, ma'am. But because I'm in Japan and I want to blend in and be polite, I'm crying. <laughs> My and sobbing, and the only thing I can find to say is thank you very much. <laughs> and oh then I, I show some, some false modesty, and I'm like, that's not that very, that, that that much, that's not that good. And I'm still crying and sobbing. And she keeps asking me questions like, do you have a boyfriend? Oh and I'm like, <laughs> and she's doing small talk with her finger up my butt while I'm crying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, the, my internal filter is like overheating. Uh, right overloaded. Now. I can't. I that's uh, yeah. There's too many jokes. Yeah. But yeah, and so I that's uh, in the code of the samurai that when they stick their fingers in your butt, you're supposed to accept all compliments. That's in the code <laughs> yes, of the samurai. Yes, it's that. Uh, and be so self-deprecating. I'm, I'm be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So so that's basically the juiciest, juiciest part of the story. I, in the end, I ended up standing like staying there all Literally. night. At, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I ended up staying there all night, uh, going to the bathroom every two minutes to pee, nothing. They took me to the uh, urologist the next, the next morning, and by then I had passed the stone. But I was so faint that I, I was still shaking, and they took me on a, on a wheelchair. And I had a nurse put all my socks back because I had taken them off. And by the time I saw the doctor, I was fine. So well, it was all, it was all but I got nice compliments. But they, you know, so let they, me ask you this very quickly, Stephanie, because I'm yeah. running out of time. But yeah. uh, given that this is probably your number one story that you'll tell people like when, you know, this is your go to funny story. Was it all yeah. worth it? Would you have done it again if you could have done it again? <laughs> I had five kidney stones after that. So, oh, no, man. I wouldn't do it again. Well, not so, just the kidney stone, but like the uh, foreign the country lady ramming fingers. Up oh, I, I, yeah, I, I, oh, yeah, for sure. I lived there for five years, so. Well, I, I I had a lot of stories, yeah. That is crazy. Well, yeah. thank you so much for uh, no for being able to share uh, <laughs> the story. Yeah, I, I absolutely okay. This has got to be marked that. like top three or four, right? Uh, well, ever stories on the like we have enough uh, yeah. like little clips to take out. Like <laughs> and remember. <laughs> She had her fingers <laughs> in my butt, and uh, she was telling me, hey, give me compliments. We have enough of those to last from now until the end of the podcast. If you have a few minutes, Mark, I can tell you the diary one in the Japanese spa. Oh, well, um, Mark, do we want to like split this? Yeah, in two? hang on. So we're going to end this segment here. So, okay. uh, so that <laughs> that was Stephanie from Canada, ladies and gentlemen, and the finger up my butt compliment story. <laughs> All right, thank you, Stephanie. Uh, and uh, as we said earlier, we will have her on again. I believe episode eighty-six coming up, and then <laughs> down the line, I'm sure she'll be back on to tell us some stories. We've actually had a couple of emails uh, coming up next week on the humans being human segment. I'm gonna we're gonna read two emails that we got. One of the emails I wrote back, and I was like, "Hey, we have to have you on," and she was like, "No, I can't. I can't do it. I'd be too nervous. You just, please just read it." So I'm gonna read it. it would, it'll be funny. And then I, I got another one this morning that was. Did yeah, you, have you read? Yeah, morning. pretty. That sounds funny. Pretty actually. good. Yeah. So, and it, and it involved the beagle, which I have two beagles, so I you know, sort of uh, that, and among other things, led me to don't be, give it away. Don't give well, it away. Well, I was I was just gonna say that, and some other things in the story led you know I relate very well to the story in other ways. <clears throat> 
Hmm. Hmm. Okay, uh, it is now time for the Simply Human Tip of the Week, something you can start doing today to become a more healthy human. And it's uh, a tip from Matthew Edland from The Power of Rest, and we'll have that linked in the show notes. Uh, and, and here's the quote. A study done at the University of Pittsburgh in 2009 showed that the more TV teenagers watch, the greater their risk of depression during the next seven years. So more TV also generally means less sleep, Less sleep means worse cognitive function, lower grades. Among adults, late-night TV use is a prominent feature in insomniacs, many of whom eventually become depressed. So you hear people like, I can't sleep, I can't sleep. Well, probably a good chance they're, you know, what are they doing when they're not sleeping? They're up watching TV all night. Well, which one, you know, chicken or the egg kind of deal. Okay, so continuing the quote. Another unfortunate biological effect of TV comes from the light emitted by the TV itself. While morning light sets our internal clocks earlier, light in the evening sets our biological clocks later. Television sets put out a lot of light. The effect of many people is to make them stay up later, cutting down on their sleep time and making it harder for them to wake up in the morning. So again, that's from Matthew Edlin from The Power of Rest, something we talk about a lot. So it's you know not necessarily the TV is the correlation there. It's like, oh, if you watch TV, you're going to be depressed. It's the unnatural light exposure. And, and there's a chart out there somewhere. I need to put it up and write a post or something and, and so we can link to it. But like a... a, a even like the the fullest moonest night, <laughs> not a thing. Not uh, works. Yeah. So like the the brightest full moon is something like one fiftieth as as you know the the brightness of just a family living room, right? So like right. even like the brightest it ever gets at night on a clear full moon is still just drastically less bright. Uh, as far as lux goes, and that's how they measure, you know, light brightness, than just like a living room with all the lights on on the TV on. So, it it can make a difference. Well, and to me, uh, it, it all links back to sleep. And sleep, it's not just uh, I feel good when I get a lot of sleep, and I don't feel good when I don't get a lot of sleep. There are major links to mental illness, uh, and uh, I'm not saying like you know things like schizophrenia, paranoid schizophrenia, bipolar are are caused by lack of sleep. But one of the hallmarks, uh, and I I deal with this quite often at work, uh, one of the hallmarks of when someone goes into, has one of those disorders and goes into a mental health crisis, one of the first things that they notice when they start, Hey, I'm going into a, a, you know, a manic cycle or something is that I can't sleep. Uh, And that's one of the very first things that a lot of people who have a good check on their mental illness know that, Hey, I'm about to have problems here in about three days. So I need to get with my doctor right now because I'm not sleeping all of a sudden. And so it's sleep is so intertwined with everything that we do. Uh, with all of our body's processes, you really owe it to yourself. You owe it to your friends and family and everybody around you to prioritize sleep. And that might mean not watching three episodes of Orange is the New Black, only watching two. Or that might mean... Uh, wearing orange or wearing orange glasses to watch your shows. Or, yeah. yeah. You know, that's the thing. With modern technology, you, 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 can, you don't have to compromise. You can, hey, I, I read books on my phone to go to sleep every single day. But I wear the orange glasses, and I feel like I, generally speaking, I didn't uh, today. I slept hardly at all. But generally speaking, I get some of the best sleep I've ever gotten, and I think a lot of that is because of the orange glasses. So yeah. you don't have to, oh, well, I guess I'll throw my TV out the window because Rick and Mark said doop, doop, doop. You don't have to do that. Just make smarter choices about what you're going to do. So here's the here's the tip in a nutshell. For yeah. one week, for t- from now until the next episode, try to do like a digital break when the sun goes down. Phones, computers, TVs. Just try it for one week and see if that makes any difference in your life. So there you go. Um, all right. So coming up next week, we have Justin Goodhart 
from uh, he emailed me from wellroundedathlete.net. He's also got a podcast. I believe it's the Move Smart podcast on iTunes. Uh, so it's another movement guy. Justin's a, a super smart guy, and I'm looking forward to uh, talking to him and having having him on the next show. Uh, find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at simplyhuman, and then the greatest number. Ever uh, sixty nine. <laughs> hey, very good, very good. I was beating you to it. Yeah, uh, well, I, I was, I was doing it uh, out of sarcasm. Yeah, really. nice. Well, yeah, right. Uh, you couldn't resist, and then you made it look like it was on me. So, uh, also the <laughs> theprimalprofessional.com. We've got uh, an affiliate link for those the dress shoe with no uh, with a zero drop heel. Uh, and uh, the also, only the only thing of its kind. Right. Although I haven't searched that. I'm, well, I'm no, it's really. I, in, 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 yeah, if you're out there and you know of anything else let us know because as far as i can tell and, and google can tell it's the only one uh we also got links for the nutrients multivitamin and the skinny fat oils uh on the website as well email the show simply human lifestyle at gmail.com simply human rick at gmail.com emails concerns questions or a, a humans being human idea and leave us a review on itunes good or bad any publicity is good publicity thank you for listening we know there are a lot of options out there thanks for making us part of your day so that'll do it for this edition of the simple human podcast and remember this is how Jeffrey Dahmer got started, by the way. Um, I don't think it is at all. But uh, <laughs> so, until next time, enjoy yourself. All you can see is